So maybe you've had the experience of maybe over lockdown or beforehand uh, watching a match at home and uh, it's probably the same in, in, in the States as well for, um, what's it called? <laughs> Thanksgiving, American football, Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl, where kind of everyone's at home, the weather isn't normally great, so people are going to be indoors, obviously. And uh, everyone's kind of sitting on the couch, kind of beer in one hand, crisps in the other, roaring at the TV, right? And it's just always very interesting to hear what is roared at the TV. Would you run, would you? Well, that if, 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 if one was in Ireland, right? Or like if you're, if you're in a stadium watching a match, you know, and you're surrounded by kind of big, burly fellas with bellies out there going, run, would you? <laughs> you know, pick up the ball, would you? Um, and the scre screaming commands, screaming all sorts of stuff, screaming all sorts of instructions that they themselves could physically never do. They couldn't run the length of their window box, like, you know what I mean? Never mind, never mind actually catch a ball in the air while surrounded by 17 defenders, you know. So uh, it's, it's just very interesting how easy it is for all of us, kind of instinctively or naturally, to roar commands. That's, that's easy. Uh, telling people what to do is easy. Uh, pointing out what everyone else has to change is easy. Uh, this, 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 as I say, the stance of kind of sitting there in your sh shirtless vest with your beer in your hand and your crisps and the other roaring commands that these athletes who've been training for 15, 20, who knows how many years, uh, at the pinnacle of their, of their fitness, and, you know, and yet we roar commands that they can't hear anyway. And that's okay. That, that, that aside, okay. The point being, though, it's just kind of the irony of of what's happening. And I think uh, when we listen to today's gospel, it's, it's, it's blunt enough. It's talking about hypocrisy. A hypocrisy where we might ask people to do something we don't do ourselves. And uh, maybe, we've had, maybe we've had that experience. Maybe we've had uh, leaders, bosses, principals uh, who, who in, in Italian, they have a fantastic expression. They say, they say preach water but drink wine. So they you know, preach water to everyone, but they themselves drink wine. Uh, so the, someone who, 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 tells, who tells everyone what they should be doing, but doesn't live up to their own standards. And it really stinks. It really, like, it's, 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 it's awful to, to experience or live or work under uh, someone who, who lives that kind of hypocrisy. Uh, there's a famous story told of Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, and a lady brought her son to Gandhi and said, look, my son is eating way too much sugar. He's eating sugar all the time. It's going to rot his everything out. So just tell him to stop eating sugar. And Gandhi said, okay, come back in a week. And she says, so, okay, okay. So she came back in a week's time and she said, so, Mr. Gandhi, sir, uh, it's, it's me with, the, with the, the child again. Uh, could you just tell him not to eat so much sugar? And so he looked at the child and said, could you stop eating sugar? And she said, why didn't you say that last week? Why didn't... Why did I have to come the whole way back just for you to say it? And he said, if I'm going to tell your child to stop eating sugar, then I have to stop eating sugar for the week. You know, and it's, it's that kind of, that kind of, uh, what would you call it? What's the opposite of, of, of hypocrisy? What is the opposite of hypocrisy? Um, to be whole, to be coherent. Ah, there you are. Coherence. So when preach, one does what one preaches. You're coherent with your own word. You ask for something and something X, Y, and Z to be done, and you're doing it yourself. Actually, you're asking for X, Y, and Z to be done, but you're actually doing more yourself. It's the same, same as a teacher. You, as a teacher, if you go into a class, if you want to get kind of you know thirty percent back from your students, you have to give how much? Thirty. <laughs> if you want thirty percent back, you have to give sixty. 
If you want 60% back, you have to give 90. If you want 100% from your students, you have to give everything and more because you always get less in return. And it's, it's kind of a, a, almost a safeguard that we people have that we don't simply immediately follow 100% everyone who says go left, go right, go, you know. We, we shouldn't. We shouldn't follow every next fad and phase and fashion. Just immediately everyone just goes. So we all, there's always kind of a reluctance there, which can be considered to a degree prudence. But if the person who's leading or if the person who's asking, if the person who's requesting this uh, is trustworthy, then maybe our, our fear, our reluctance isn't warranted. So we, like all of us in some way, lead, all of us in some way, in some way lead people uh, to, to varying degrees, but like on a, on a mission team or uh, obviously preaching and teaching, all those kind of things. So if we want people to do what we say, we must be doing that. To be honest, we must be doing that and more. Uh, and that's what makes us coherent and credible. And especially like, you know, for, for this, I suppose this homily is slightly more for yourselves here, but like, you guys live with me. <laughs> so it's different for the people on the live stream or people who hear these homilies at home. They don't know me. Uh, you do, because you live with me. So I'm here all the time. So you will see if I spend all of my time gaming or if I spend all of my time using expensive hair products or, or I mean, you'll see it like, you will know, you will know. So it's, it, it's, it's good, this is good for me because it holds me to a higher standard as well. I must practice what I preach. I must. Because if I don't, you'll see it. And if you see it, then you won't do what I ask. Very, very straightforward. So, so it's, it's, it's good that we have a, this kind of sense of, of responsibility and, and, and like to be absolutely coherent with what we say. So when we think of the Lord, right, what he asks us to do he has done himself. So like this, this season of Lent, 40 days in the desert, right? 40 days where he ate nothing. He, asked, he, asked, he just asked us to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays or maybe a bit of bread and water every now and again. He, you know, he does more. He asks us to, to love and to serve. And dare I say, even to, to love and serve until it hurts. He does so by dying on the cross, having the power to free himself from the cross in an instant if he'd want it. He asks us to, to, to turn the other cheek. He himself lived this to the, to the nth degree, being accused of, of blasphemy. I mean, accusing Jesus of blasphemy. What, what, what a crazy idea. And dying for us, again, at any moment, had been able to, to, to walk away or argue his way out of these situations had he wanted to. So the Lord leads this kind of, this, this coherent teaching, asking us to, to, to live a certain lifestyle, but also living it himself first. And that's why, that's why he's a credible leader. That's why he's a, more, than, more, than a good, more than a good teacher. Obviously, he, he is the message. He doesn't just kind of give us a message, teach us something. He, he gives us himself. He is the teaching that he gives us. So in our way, in our, like the way he delegates and always shares his power with us, he wishes us to do the same. So whatever we require of others, whatever, whatever in our responsibility we need others to do, we must be doing ourselves. So we as Christians, if we want, to be, if we want others to, 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 to come back to our church, then we must first and foremost be living this joyful life, this freedom of the children of God ourselves. 
we must be living this now. Otherwise, why would, I, why would anybody come back? If I want to, uh, people to come back to adoration, then I must be doing adoration myself. If I want people to come back to a, an active life of prayer, I must have an active prayer life myself. So, the conversion of the world begins with me. Begins with me. It starts here. And if I get this right, then, then I'll be credible. And if I don't, no one will listen. No one should listen if I'm not doing it myself. So we ask the Lord today to renew our conviction. And I guess fundamentally, it's this lack of self-reliance, lack of self-assuredness, and this abandonment to the Lord giving things up, renouncing our own will, doing things in favor of, of, of a greater good so that others might see that, that light burning. And how does a candle give light? It's consumed. It's consumed. It's, it's burned up. That's why traditionally, ordinarily, pastel candles should be made of wax. Don't tell your parish priest this, but like, you're not really supposed to use the oil uh, pastel candles because they're not consumed. The pastel candle is supposed to be Consumed. It's supposed to get smaller and smaller and melt away and get more and more miserable as it's giving light, the light to the world, but at the expense of itself. And this is, this is like that, that coherent Christian life. I give, I empty myself, I give of myself, I serve. I feel like I give more than, than I actually have, which is good, because then you're drawing from the Lord, in order that others might be raised up, in order that others might have the light, in order that others might benefit. This is Christianity. This is the heart of Christ. It's the heart that you and I are called to have. So Lord, we ask you to renew our hearts in this mission to renew the church, to renew the faith, to draw all people back to you through the coherence of our lives and your grace. Amen.